Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Hello, dear ones. If you are unaware, we are between seasons right now. We're working on season three, and in the meantime, we'll be releasing bonus episodes on our Patreon and regular podcast feeds. I have a fun offer if you're interested in helping us shape season three. If you'd like to be part of our focus group, we will take the first listeners who respond, and I'll send you some questions about your listening preferences and what we are thinking about for season three. Cool stuff please email me at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. You can also email me about any other experiences that you're having with the podcast. I pour over as many of them as I can. Thank you. I love hearing from you. In today's bonus episode, we go back to the day Archer was injured, back to the beach in Cape May, New Jersey specifically August 5th, 2015. But this time, we take a different angle and see the day through the eyes and the experience of the emergency response. Archer had just cleaned up the kitchen at the Cape May Beach Club and asked if he could go down for a cool dip in the ocean on a 100-degree hot summer day. EMS workers like Harry Back Lifeguards like James Schmucker and Davis Barsby and beachgoers help us piece together the moment of Archer's catastrophic injury and the chaos that ensued in the rescue aftermath. These interviewees detail the tense and hectic scene on the beach, as well as the teamwork it took to get Archer safely off a small part of the beach to an ambulance, to an elementary school, into a waiting helicopter to Atlanticare Hospital and up the coast of New Jersey. Maybe this episode will inspire you to return to memories of a crisis in your life or a time when you relied on emergency medical personnel. Notice what comes up in your mind and body. You are safe now. So settle in, take a deep breath, and bear witness. This is Chaos and Rescue from the Beach Montage. Um, it just felt like a an average day for me. It just um it was hot. So I took um, many, many dips in the water that day. I'd just be in there swimming around. And um, 
Archer came down to the beach after he got done his shift, I believe. And uh, we decided to go in the water. And I made it in the water before him because all I had on was board shorts and he had to take his, like, his shirt and shoes off. So I entered the water like uh, 45 seconds or so before him, put uh, swim fins on and just swam out. And then um, the next thing I know, I'm just, just like looking around uh, and uh, looking for Archer. And I just see him face down in the water. So I yelled out to him a couple times and got no response from him. So I just swam over and rolled him over. And uh, when I rolled him over, he was conscious and like I could see like the look in his eye, like, like I'm, I'm messed up right now, like, like help me. And uh, I proceeded just to swim him in and talking to him in and out of consciousness during like through the swim back to back to land and um got him to land pulled him out of the water and uh um yelled to the other lifeguard davis that uh he needs to radio the the kma beach patrol and call 911 because we have a problem and uh I remember rolling Archer onto his side and like moving his arm up so he could um, throw up uh, seawater that he swallowed. And then, um, like right after maybe the second time he threw up, uh, the beach patrol was like right next to me, there to help. And then that's really all I remember from that. Happened fast. Yeah, very fast. So you had gone out into the water as a lifeguard because it was a hot day. Yes. Just because it was one of your regular, mm-hmm. like, breaks or stay, yeah. stay cool. Yeah, especially on the hot days, I'd, I would have uh, gone in the water multiple times. Mm-hmm. It was one of those days? It was one of those weeks. One of those weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hot. It was a hot, Very. hot, yeah, record-breaking, I think, week mm-hmm. for, for Cape May. So when you were out there and then you were, were looking for Archer and you called to him, um, what was going on in your, in your mind? Um, at first I thought he was like joking around with me or something just because, I don't know, that's what I thought at first, but like I was swimming to him while I was saying that, but like I wasn't moving very fast at that point. And... Like, I could see, like, half of his head, like, the back of his head was out of the water. So, like, if I'm yelling at him from there, like, I think he would have heard me. Oh, you could see the top of his head. Yeah, like, I could see, like, the top of his was, head. His his body was, he was Yeah, I could down, see or? his, um, like, half of his back up to his shoulders and the back of his head. But not the rest of his body. No. And, um, right when he didn't answer right there, I just swam basically as fast as I could over to him and rolled him over. And you had on fins. I did have on fins, so yeah. So you probably went pretty fast. Oh yeah, they helped uh, They helped a lot. So he was out pretty far. Yeah, he was about like chest deep maybe, waist chest deep. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it was low tide, so it, it doesn't get deep very fast at low tide. You kind of got to get out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not like a like high tide drop-off. You walk in like three or four feet, and then you're up to your waist or something like that. Like It's not like that. No, like mm-hmm. gradual. Mm-hmm. gets a little bit deeper and deeper. You're just ahead of them, like just a little bit. You dove in the same air place that you dove. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, we were probably... 15 yards apart, and he's from the 20 car. I don't know, 25 yards. He was 25 yards to the left. But, but on the I same don't know how that happened. horizontal plane, or. Yeah. So you pulled him out, and you could see the top of his head, and he had, you could see he had some consciousness, like, I'm in, help me. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there anything spoken? You also mentioned he went out of consciousness, in and out of consciousness? Yes. Um, I asked him a few times if he was messing around, and he said, no, I can't move. Like, I th- he told me he thought he was paralyzed, and I was just thought, like, oh shit, like, I gotta, I gotta get him out of the water now, you know? And did he? And then what happened? Did he stay conscious, or did he lose consciousness? I remember talking, trying to like keep a conversation with him, just to conversate through. You know what I mean? Make it feel like it's like time will go faster for him. You know what I yeah, mean? Right. If I'm talking to him, but I remember him losing consciousness and like his eyes just like rolling in the back of his head. And I saw that, and I was like, "All right, well, I gotta swim faster now." He's you know, he's out right now, and it's not good. It's not good to be out in the water, you know. Yes, a lot going through your. What was going through your mind then? Like this. Yeah, is like not I mean, good. I was moving fast to begin with, but like right when I saw him lose consciousness, I was like, all right, this this is worse now. Did you now, Did you think go. he might die? No. 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 But. How? How? I you mean, die? if that happened again, and I was in the same situation, I probably would would think yes. So you say no because you didn't have any of the experience, but now that you do have the experience, is that it, or is it something else? Um, more, kind of, yeah. Definitely not experienced like that. That was the first, like, rescue like that I've ever made. Yeah. And, um, part of that, uh, just didn't want to think, believe that he was dying. Yeah. Yeah, it's your friend. Yeah, close friend. Close friend. You know, in that kitchen in August, early August, end of July, where it's just the hottest part of the year, basically, um, and you're working over a hot grill, which he loved to do. He didn't want to run food. He wanted to cook food, and that kid was good. He would make food. He'd get all excited about something. He'd bring it in. We would, you know, either be like, this is amazing, or we'd bust his balls a little bit. Like, this is terrible. Get this trash out of here. (laughs) You know, um, he was so excited to, to do that. And um, he's so excited to do the drawings. And But when you're going back to it, when you are in that kitchen and it's 115 degrees, the first thing you want to do, especially someone that, you know, goes in the ocean, swims, you know, frogs, you know, surfs, you want to get in the ocean. Yeah. That's the main goal. Yeah. So for him to get through that shift, walk down that boardwalk and jump in the ocean was the ultimate goal. James jumps off the lifeguard stand and they run down. Yeah, yeah. Total 
regular summer move. Nothing crazy. Just like, yeah, like, like there's a buddy coming down. You always want to, when you go, when you're a lifeguard, you always want to go in with someone, you know, it kind of can be boring going in. So it's kind of like, that could have been me going in with Archer, but yeah. James is like, no, like, you know, I'm going to go in. I'm, like, oh, I'm going in. All right. You know, cause one of us has to be up on the stand. We can't both go in. Um, so James went, James went, James went and they and jumped in and everything looked totally fine they, until they didn't, they did their normal jump in, you know, 17 year old boys jumping in the ocean, you know, being goofy. You don't really think about it. And just doing their thing. They both yeah. like, peeled off, you know, um, James said he went, he went first because he put on his fins. And, um, oh, and he had fins on. I didn't even know he had fins on. Yeah, he had fins on. And that Archer was a little bit behind him because Archer needed to take off his uh, shoes and his uh, shirt. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And then everything changed just like that. Everything. You know, you're looking at him. Um, I remember seeing Archer kind of floating. And next thing you know, I see James going over to him. And I couldn't tell you in real time exactly yeah. the difference, but he started dragging him out. I'm like, what are these two doing? There's something going on. So I jump off the stand, run down, and it's, it's real. The situation is real. The situation is real. James's face is white. You know, we're trying to pull him out. And same time, you're trying to pull a kid out of the surf when it wasn't, it really wasn't, I don't think a choppy day or anything like that. So it was kind of, Thank God it wasn't a very rough day because yeah. that could have been even harder trying to get him out, but just trying to get him out and flip him over and kind of wait for your training to kick in at the same time. Cause you're kind of assessing the situation, trying to see what's actually happening. You don't know what's happening. You just see James trying to pull him out. And I'm running down. So we get him out and he's, he's talking though. He's like coughing up and he's talking. So you don't really know the severity of things. You're like, all right, did he break his arm? Like, yeah. It, did he get knocked out? What's going on? <clears throat> and I remember him just yelling, I can't feel, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my arms, but he was talking. So I'm like, all right, is he freaking out? What's going on? But we got him up out of the surf. I turned back, haul ass back towards the lifeguard stand. And at that point people are standing up, you know, what's going on? And one of the first things on my way up, you look up and I see people, I'm like, call 911 as I'm running to stand because you have to call it in on the radio, but you also need to call. So, so beach patrol will come in and back you up, but you also have to call 911. So I was able to have someone do that as I get to the radio. So I fired off a, message saying possible c-spine at the beach club of cape may possible c-spine uh victim is breathing um conscious uh c-spine is potential of neck injury broken neck and that's what they call that um i don't think i'll ever forget that that yeah. saying um, yeah exactly. possible c-spine possible c-spine so if you call beach patrol they're coming you hear a possible c-spine they're coming i mean they've come for anything but Possible C-spine is one of the worst calls you can hear on the radio. Like as a, as a lifeguard, you know, after I learned that, when you hear that, I mean, your heart almost stops. Would you be willing just to walk me through uh, what you do remember? 
when yeah, um, you got the call about Archer? We were, um, I, I don't know, I, I, I wish I could remember who exactly was on that call, um, who was on the ambulance. I believe one of the people that was on the ambulance actually isn't employed here anymore, but that's besides the point. Um, I know I was still, I was still back in station when the call came in, because we have it set up at the Beach Patrol that they, how they radio into our dispatch and then how it gets to us. <clears throat> so we had heard the call and they, they, what they would refer to it as is a C-spine injury, it's a possible C-spine injury. So unfortunately, we hear that, we have heard that so much that we're kind of programmed to just, we start moving right away. You know, we don't, we don't wait for the initial tone. So the ambulance headed down there. Um, we had the second ambulance getting ready to head down there. The beach patrol was there, so um, we utilized them, and then we, we moved on to, to the medevac end of it. And that, that end of it was where basically I coordinated the, that end of it to, to get it moving. But we, you know, we come in and we, you, know, you get the details, we check on the patient. You know, when they arrive on scene, I always kind of stick my nose in there, so to speak, to, to kind of see what's going on. There's a, there's a lot that needs to happen and it doesn't, um, it's not like all of a sudden Archer's just in an ambulance, you know, within minutes. It's not that, yeah. and it was, it was very, I know that it was seamless from what others say. I'm just so curious, what hap what do they do then to, for someone like Archer or even specifically to Archer once he's in an ambulance and, and then what's being checked and who's with him? Because I, I've always so been a little haunted that, you know, he didn't have a family member with him. But well, he the, would... the one thing that the guys are good at here, um, and, and I'm totally tooting our own horn, is compassion. Um, I mean, I know that the, the guys, especially some of the guys that are working today, are some of the most compassionate people when it comes to, you know, keeping patients calm, keeping patients reassured. Um, you know, we always, we always tell the parents when we have pediatrics, you know, you're, 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 actions are going to dictate their actions your reaction is going to be their reaction you know yeah. um so when when we have calls especially beach related when they're you know whether they were submerged in water or, or whatnot you know maintaining an airway is is number one you know making sure that they're, they're you know they're not fluid bound with with bathing just water making sure that their lungs are clear the medics the paramedic units will start ivs to get fluids going that we can administer medications they can only administer medications through the medical direction, which comes from the hospital, which is actually the doctor at Mainland Regional up in, um, off Jimmy Lee Row up in Galloway. That's Lancaster's Mainland Campus. That's where their doctor will give them the orders to give whatever medications they feel is necessary based on the information. Um, and then we're, you know, we're monitoring vitals. We're, you know, we're monitoring their, their SpO2 to make sure that they have enough oxygen getting into their system. And that's, that's, basically it until they can get to the trauma center and get scanned and find out what they what they need to do from there. So it's more stabilization at that point. And and all of those aspects of stabilization, is that duplicated then once he is transported to the helicopter? Yes. And it's onto the helicopter. Very redundant. Everything is every you know, depending on the criteria of the call, you're taking vials either every five minutes, ten minutes, or fifteen minutes. And in a case like that, they're probably doing it every five. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's a constant monitoring. They have you hooked to the monitors and everything. Where were you? What, I mean, what was happening? How'd you get the news? And so I was, I was up in the clubhouse. I was in the clubhouse and the lifeguards called up that they had, they didn't even say who it was. They just said they had an unresponsive person. So I grabbed the AED, I grabbed Jen Zell. I said, come with me. 
and we run down to the beach. And as I get there, the lifeguards from Poverty Beach are already there, one of them. And his name is Tommy Hershenrider. And he's holding manual stabilization. So immediately I felt better because I taught that. I taught Tommy how to do what he's doing. And he's a super calm, level-headed, doesn't overreact. He's got the, he's got uh, immobilization, the cervical immobilization, which is the key person. You need somebody really good in that position. Who's, hold, who's holding the head. To make sure it doesn't move sure anywhere doesn't else. Move anywhere else. Which is key. And as I get down, I do a, a quick assessment. I know the other lieutenants, EMTs are on their way. Uh, so you're running down to the beach, you see Tommy holding the person. You don't know who it is. Not yet. And as I get down, I see that it's Archer. And uh, obviously the, the guards that were there for the beach club, James and Dom, they were pretty freaked out. And Davis. And Davis was pretty weak. So we let them go to the side and I did a quick assessment of Archer, uh, eyes open and looked him right in the eyes. He couldn't respond verbally. Um, I gave him, as I described, probably the hardest sternal rub I've ever given anybody else in my life. What does that mean? You just take your knuckles, you're trying to get some kind of response, and you just rub here. It's on the, the chest. Yeah, right on the sternum, um, to see if you get any kind of eye blink, verbal, twitch anywhere. I see, that's why it's hard. Yeah. Because it would hurt. Yeah, you're trying to see if they have any feeling anywhere. And asked him to grab both of his hands. And what happened when he did that? Nothing. We didn't, he, there was no response. Um, he just blinked his eyes. And that was the answer that really the only answer I needed to know that this was, this was a bad one. This was serious. Um, still went through and did my rest of my assessment. Grabbed both of his hands, asked him to squeeze, nothing. Pushed on his toes, nothing. Um, made sure he had pulses. So he I checked his radial pulse, which was strong. His pedal pulse was good and his foot. So we knew we had everything that we could do at this point was under control. As the city of Cape May lieutenants show up who are all EMTs in the trucks. Uh, the first one there was uh, Lieutenant Bill Keller and I just said to Bill, make sure there's a helicopter in the air. And uh, he took care of that. He went and opened up the gate for the rescue squad to come right in, pick them up, bring them down. Uh, Terry Randolph, another lieutenant, showed up in another vehicle. And I just yelled to Terry to give me the backboard, give me the collar, give me everything, the straps. And let's, let's do this efficiently uh, as, as we can without causing any more damage or getting him to advance care as soon as possible. That's key with any any of these things is the faster you get, get them in the hands of the paramedics into a trauma center is, is, is going to give you your best possible outcome. And then it all just, it just, that's where it went. That was it. I mean, we, we got him on the backboard. We got him packaged up, rescue squad, into the ambulance and to the helicopter and then... Do you remember anything else about Archer? The, the, the fear, the fear in his eyes. I always look at, think of myself as a person who can 
reads people's eyes as well as I read their mannerisms and kind of see what's going on in their head. And uh, I can just see it. it's scared. It's scary. I can't even imagine what that is like to be that scared. I can't either. And uh, and that, that's what I remember the most is, is in my mind knowing that this was a very, very serious injury. Just from the blink of his eye. And uh, looking at him and, and he knows. He knows. He knew yeah. how bad it was. Yeah. It was the first time with Archer that you actually knew a name with the person and a face and somebody you knew mm. on a day-to-day -day basis. So that was, that was different. August the 5th, crazy day, right? Crazy day. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, when I, you know, I crazy and always for me, crazy day at work. Um, August is our busiest time. We go, obviously being a motel, we go seven days a week, nonstop. I sleep at my work, uh, even though the office closes, it's a 24 hour job, it's constant. You know, having this many rooms with this many people, so it's just crazy, busy, busy day. And I can just remember all day being outside, running in and out of rooms with check-ins, checking on my staff and just hearing sirens after sirens. So I think it was a busy day on the water as well for rescues. Um, and very vividly, I remember sirens just screaming down Beach Drive, just right past us, going towards what we would say Poverty Beach End. And more trucks and more sirens than I've ever heard. And every time they would go that end of the beach, I would often think just because, you know, the kids worked down there and James was a lifeguard and it just, every time I would hear it, a quick prayer. And quite frankly, they went by, quick prayer, and back to my craziness schedule at work until James showed up. It just happened very fast. I, I remember, you know, we were facing the water, like as you do, and just sort of like watching. And I don't, I seem to remember that the water was choppy and that like someone was in there, but you know, and then, and then kind of all of a sudden, like there he was laying on his back. Um, and I remember, Chan you know, Chance, we, I think what Chance said to me yesterday was that it seemed kind of like, at first, like it seemed like he was goofing around or something. And then like very quickly, it was clear that something was really wrong. I think I was like, well, I don't, who is that? And he said it was Archer, who I like didn't really know who that was. Um, and he said, you know, that he was worked there and was a 17 year old, like, yeah. And I just, you know, we just kind of sat there and watched and um, Davis ran down and it happened, you know, it just happened really fast. And, uh, you know, we could just sort of tell that something was really seriously wrong. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of all I remember. It just happens so fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, from like from the moment of being like something's happening to the moment of like, 
oh, this is really, really bad. Like, and I seem to remember him say, like saying that he couldn't move his legs or, or some, someone had said he can't move his legs or he can't, like something like that was said. I remember that. I think there's a, a big part of it that feels weird when you're witnessing something and you're, you know, there's the people are there like doing what they're supposed to, you know, lifeguards are the people that are supposed to be taking care of this. And, and so, you know, we're sort of watching and not, it, it feels weird. I don't, I don't know how, how else to describe it. It feels weird to, to witness something like that and not know like what to do or what's going on. Um, and I think the kind of like frantic nature of, of like, you could tell everyone that was, that was attending to him was very serious and, and they were scared. Yeah. So I was at the beach club. I was at the beach, right? Kind of set back from where the incident happened, but I was trying to recall more about the day. And to be honest, I don't have, it's kind of occupied with the major event, but I'm pretty sure I didn't spend the day at the beach club. I got off work, presumably at four and went right there and met, um, I was sitting with India Cochran and we, I'm pretty sure it was the same day I came in. I saw Archer, he was working in the kitchen and saw Davis up there and it was really, really hot. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he, when I saw him coming down to the beach for a swim, it was kind of as if, as if like, uh, they had just finished cleaning up the kitchen and Davis probably was like, just go jump in the water because it was so hot in the kitchen. That's kind of how I remember it, like how it came to him getting down to the beach in the first place. And he and James walked to the water. And yeah, because I came from work to there, that's why it kind of feels like that's where my day started because mm -hmm. otherwise it was a normal day at the store. Um, which I recall at nothing the, at about. the parent store. It's a breeze. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't recall anything about the day other than when I met India and sort of within 10 minutes of us sitting down because it was really quiet at the beach already. I think because it was so hot, it was kind of just like a desolate day. And right. It was almost too hot to be on the beach. Yeah. And we we're among the only people down there, if I recall. And and obviously no one was in the water because James was lifeguarding. So he went down to swim with Archer because no one was around. Um, and to be honest, we, I talked to India before this and we both kind of snapped to when this, when the horrible accident had occurred. It was like, we don't remember what we were talking about, but within 10 minutes, we kind of looked up and both of us had recalled like this sort of second feeling where we just brushed off seeing the position Archer was in because we thought he and James were kind of goofing around. 
and like he was like pretending to on his um excuse me to not sit up out of the water i thought he was kind of pretending to float and within like a couple seconds um james like you could tell his body language changed really quickly and india and i both recalled like sort of snapping too and wondering like it just got really chaotic all of a sudden um and i remember i feel like immediately i um i either called posey or brenton the younger our age and my age excuse me me and dewey's age and they said to i was looking for your number and i'm if I recall, they said to call their mom immediately, and I called her who sent me your number. I remember what I thought was that James was sort of in first and maybe a little deeper, and that Archer was closer to us in the water, and that when I was sort of like reading his body language that something was suddenly happening, he was like sort of coming in towards him again because it was really not very deep or not very deep in the water you know far in the water yeah probably probably no more than like three feet well yeah, yeah but I mean, um like almost no more than like 15 feet off of uh the oh, shoreline. Off the shore off the shoreline yeah, yeah of how far out yeah it seemed really close that's what i remember someone either from the coast guard or like the real lifeguard patrol got there and was doing more like precise like they knew what to try and feel and ask and like prompts to ask archer and i do remember when he was still like just on the sand no one had moved him i i really it's weird to say like i thought i remembered but i think i recall him responding and likely, I guess it wasn't the case, but saying that he was responding to someone either like touching his foot or his hand. I saw him down, he was down by the water front, laying in the sand. My sister, who's a nurse, my sister's name is Mary and she's a nurse and uh, you know, we all sit together on the beach. And I could see she wasn't in her chair. And I, I turned to my son, Will, and I said, Where, where's Mary? And he said, she's down there trying to help. Then we just kind of all stared and prayed. Uh, I could see, I, you know, I could see other people around, um, you know, the other guards. What's his name, James? No. James. James. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Davis was there, down there. Yep. Um, I feel like there was somebody else, but you probably know better than I do. Um, I don't know. Just James at this point, and then um, Harry back. Yeah, um, I don't know him. Yeah, so I was uh, I was not down close. You know, was down. If you walk down, it's the guard chair. You know where the guard chair sits. And like after they, the board, after the boardwalk. Yeah, at the end, and all the way down close to the water, and then to the left of the guard chair. That's where he was um down you know right off the water so and um i understand he did speak you know that right like he did speak um and i think they got some um 
water out of him right away, right? Like, didn't he vomit up some water or something? Yeah, what, what I'm understanding is that um, he said, uh, you know, Davis said he really was like, you know, yelling like, I can't feel my leg, I can't feel right. my arms. Did you hear any of that? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. I do, I mean, I only heard about that after, after from my sister, because it was, I think it was trauma for everybody yeah. involved, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And I guess Archer was sort of like screaming. He, they said he was in completely unconscious and then he would come back and he would scream, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my arms. And then he went unconscious and, and they were reviving him. And he, and then he said to James that, well, the first thing he said was roll me over as soon as he was brought onto the scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and get right. the water out of my lungs. Does that sound? That's what I heard that's what Mary said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was surreal. Mm -hmm. It was surreal. We knew somebody's life had changed so dramatically, honestly. And we weren't, I mean, at that point, we weren't sure he was going to make it. Yeah, I was, I was on the beach that day. I think I was getting ready um, to go back to school, actually. Uh, so that might have been my last weekend at the beach. And I was kind of, I was at the beach club and I was kind of over on the right side of the beach and I was you know, positioned kind of facing the lifeguard stand. Um, and I remember <laughs> seeing Archer. Um, I mean, he was always you know, full of life and joking around. I remember seeing him joke around with the lifeguards. I think they were all pretty close. Um, and then he kind of went into the water and he was swimming around the water like dove kind of like like a dolphin. And then I remember seeing him floating in the water with his face down. And I kind of looked over at the lifeguards and I, I kind of got the impression personally that he was, you know, joking around with the lifeguards. And I think they kind of thought that too. And then the time kind of ran on. I kind of looked over at Davis, who was, you know, I think clearly in charge. It was probably about 10 seconds. And I could see Davis getting, you know, you know, nervous and shifty. And then he bolted down off the lifeguard stand and you know ran into the water and pulled him out um and then my aunt mary who was a nurse at the time kind of went down to um help and i i just remember it being a really you know icy moment it was you know the kind of wind was sucked off the beach and you know everyone was you know, dead silent and looking and it felt like time kind of stopped I do remember him going in and, you know, jumping around, you know, and just you know, swimming around the water. And then I remember a wave coming, you know, not even a, not a particularly big wave. He just kind of, um, you know, floated up with you know, his head down. And, you know, and I was kind of, you know, he had really long hair and I was expecting him to kind of, you know, pull his head up and like, you know, flip his hair back and, you know, go on his way. and. Then he was just kind of, um, you know, floating there with his back up, um, face down, and you know, I, I kind of I saw it happen, and I kind of looked over, you know, I, I looked over the lifeguards you know, to make sure that they saw it because, you know, I wasn't sure what they were doing, um, you know, and they, Davis saw it and Davis was watching, so I was kind of, you know, watching um, Archer, you know, as the time ticked on, and yeah. You know, 
like I said, it was probably about 10 seconds, but it felt like a long time when you're trying to, you know, when you don't know really what's happening. You're trying to, you know. When it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and you you think, you know, he's about to pop back up and you're like, oh, you know, maybe he's messing with the lifeguards because he's friends with them. And, you know, I kind of kept glancing back at Davis, glancing at Archer. And my Aunt Mary was down there and she came back and I remember her saying, you know, he's saying he can't move his, you know, can't feel his arms, can't feel his legs. And I just remember, you know, feeling sick at that moment. Um, you know, especially we were similar in age. You know, you know, I feel like when you're that age, you kind of feel, yeah. you kind of feel immortal at that age. Like nothing bad can happen to you. So I remember that being a powerful thing for me too. Thank you for listening in. I hope this helps you go back and revisit a moment in your life when you heard news that changed your life in the blink of an eye. Or you might feel more informed about what is potentially happening on the scene when you hear loud sirens in the distance signaling a critical incident. With a little bit of time and space and a reflective look back, we might loosen any lingering grip that holds us in an old pattern of fear ignited by sounds and sensations from the past. We are safe now and we can live fully again with joy. As always, Follow us on our Instagram at Blink of an Eye Pod and find us on Facebook at Blink of an Eye Podcast. Make sure to leave us a review in your preferred podcasting platform. And if you haven't yet, click that subscribe button. If you'd like to support our work financially, you have two ways to do so via our sponsor, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation where you may make a charitable contribution at www.ictat.org. That's icthat.org. Or on Patreon. You can find us there at www.patreon.com backslash blink of an iPod. We rely on every dollar and appreciate the support of every listener. Season three is in the works and will be coming to you wherever you listen to podcasts later in this new year. And please tell your friends or anyone who might be home in quarantine or isolated due to COVID-19 to start with episode one, season one, to binge listen to a riveting story It will help the time fly and there will be insights and new learnings. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, 
blinkofaneyepodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation. I See That is a multidisciplinary nonprofit that provides tangible support, trauma healing education, and advocacy for those experiencing crisis or trauma. To donate, please visit www.icthat.org. That's the letters I-C-T-H-A-T dot O-R-G.